Hi, I'm Alex Bailey, and I'm part of the team of academic developers at Swansea University who provide support and promote good learning and teaching practices and experiences. Welcome to A Pinch of Salt, Swansea University's learning and teaching podcast. If it has anything to do with learning and teaching in higher education, let's make sure everyone knows about it. Assessment in higher education remains one of the defining aspects of a learner's experience at university. As such, we need to ensure that learners are appropriately challenged, that they are sufficiently equipped and motivated to rise to that challenge, and that when all is said and done, that they receive high quality feedback to enable their development. Today, we have the privilege of hearing from some colleagues at the university who are promoting effective practice in assessment design and feedback to hear about their strategies for and stories of honing their crafts in this area. So uh, a very warm welcome to our guests. Please could you each just take a second to introduce yourselves and your role at the university. Hi, I'm Rian Ellis and I'm a senior academic developer here at SALT. Hi, I'm Zoe Clegg. I'm a lecturer in education in the Department of Education and Childhood Studies and uh, I'm also student experience lead for the department. Hi, I'm Matthias Dilling. I'm a lecturer in politics at the Department of Politics, Philosophy and International Relations. And I'm also the student experience lead at the department. Fantastic. Well, thank you all for coming on the show. Very warm welcome to you all. Uh, So let's start off with this question then. Why do you feel it is important for teachers to develop and evolve their assessment and feedback practices? Well, that's a really interesting question. And I'm afraid there's no short answer to that, um, but a couple of really important um, uh, factors to explain. I guess it's because the nature and prior experiences of our students and our understanding and awareness of their needs and the needs of society, the needs of the economy, and and therefore the aims and purpose of assessment to match that. These are all continually changing and evolving. So it stands to reason, therefore, doesn't it, that uh, higher education professionals also need to continually reflect and develop and evolve their assessment and feedback practices too. And that's not just here of Swansea, of course, but nationally, internationally, you know, similar conversations to the one that we're having today uh, are being held, you know, all across the world. Uh, International research findings suggest that, you know, we we need to continually evolve and and adapt. Um, Student feedback also tells us this um, in other universities in the UK as well, that uh, assessment and feedback very much needs to be prioritised as we reflect and improve. Um, So especially in the post-COVID world, the last few years have meant that everyone has considered new ways of assessing, lots of lessons learned there, you know, and there's been some return to traditional assessment methods, such as the closed book time-constrained exam, uh, where there's a clear case for them being still the best form of assessment in certain areas. But many more higher education teachers are being much more open to less traditional, creative, authentic methods of assessment um, that many at Swansea have advocated for quite a while, actually. Um, It's now that we're realising all around the benefits. Um, So for staff and students alike, our skills and familiarity with certain forms of digital technology, for example, have developed. Um, such as the recording of this podcast right now. Um, we're um, you know, listening and learning in much more diverse ways. Our, our learning environments and the tools that we have are now much more diverse. So, so I guess coming to you know, what we see at SALT, you know, we, we're in a good position to see and understand this bigger picture. And we're here to support our colleagues as they begin to make sense of changes in their own areas, um, their students' changing needs and expectations, employers' needs, 
um, the skills required for future jobs that may not even exist yet. So um, we um, work with lots of staff here at Swansea and they tell us that they're developing their practices in these ways now because they are realising the benefits. They're realising the benefits of involving and engaging students in inclusive assessment design and processes, preparing them better for assessment, programme level assessment, which aims to achieve a balance between variation and continuity and development of skills, um, students participating in more formative assessment, although it's so challenging, we know, but we know there are benefits to it, and more active and creative forms of assessment too, um, such as those that offer authentic scenarios related to future professional roles. Um, they're not only beneficial as well, but enjoyable and enriching for all involved, students and staff alike. Finally, uh, student feedback. Uh, lots of research suggests there is a clear need to develop feedback practices to encourage students to engage with it, um, for it to be helpful and constructive, and for students to see it as helpful and constructive. And we have uh, an expert on this topic actually speaking at conference this year. That's Professor Naomi Winston. So I would encourage everybody to come along and hear what she has to say on July the 12th. More on that later. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Rian. Uh, any of you guys want to weigh in on that? Yeah, so uh, when we're thinking about um, sort of supporting and preparing our students in um, education and childhood studies for what they go on to do after uh, university, we see this sort of three, four year process um, as a way of not just improving their grade year on year, but really thinking about the skills that they are developing each year, each semester. And um, I think a lot of students can get quite bogged down in in grades themselves in um, in the kind of negative aspects of feedback, uh, reflecting on how we uh, develop our own feedback practices and the rapport that we build with students, um, I think is one of the most important uh, features of our teaching job, uh, making sure that the feedback that we provide is useful, uh, constructive, um, supportive and empowering but not just for their own assessments and their next assessments but thinking about how that actually is useful moving beyond university and um, thinking about the skills that they develop uh, during this time that employers are going to be um, finding uh, useful as well so a lot of our students do think that they want to be teachers it's not um, a teaching qualification it is very much sociology of education um, but a lot of our students don't necessarily know what they want to do with their degree. So actually learning about how they can improve not only their writing skills, but like Rianne said, there's lots of different ways that we can assess um, students uh, that they find interesting and creative and transferable. Uh, but being able to provide them that sort of foundational knowledge about not just the subject matter, but the skills that they're developing through their assessments. I think the points that Zoe and Rianne have made are absolutely, absolutely spot on. I think like if you ask me about why we kind of we, we should continue to develop and evolve our uh, assessment feedback practices, then I mean, I think we can summarize a lot of a lot of the discussion in terms of, you know, because the world around us is changing. Higher education is part of wider of a wider society. And if society changes, so does higher education. Um, and all these kind of changes pose you know, challenges, but also provide opportunities for us. For instance, I remember numerous conversations with lecturers and students about Wikipedia. Um, some colleagues hated it, fearing that it might provide shortcuts and discourage independent reading and reflection, and others were less concerned. But the, the point is, it exists. It exists, students tend to use it, and so it would be irresponsible for me as a lecturer to ignore that this is out there. 
Uh, and so I thought, why not, why not using it? Why not incorporating it in one of my modules as a way to hopefully um, you know, foster a sense of ownership and agency, so potentially kind of support significant learning, helping students to see how they actually with their assignments can contribute to knowledge that is used and that is read like beyond the classroom, um, but also to teach about key academic practices like referencing, for example. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. Let's focus now on uh, assessment design. Um, can, can you just share some examples from your own practice where uh, assessment design has proven to be effective or, or well regarded by your students? And maybe just kind of just following up because I already kind of mentioned the use of Wikipedia. And I think this relates to some of the changes that um, I've, I've tried to make in kind of the parliamentary studies module. Uh, which is an optional final year module that is taught at uh, PPIR in cooperation with the UK's, uh, UK Parliament's education team. It includes guest speakers uh, and, and a field trip to Westminster. And so when I took over the module, um, there were already ongoing conversations at PPIR about non-standard assessment formats. Uh, we know, uh, Rian has mentioned, that there are plenty of voices among students saying that they wouldn't be too sad if they did not spend all of their assessments writing exams or writing essays. And I think, I think they do have a point. Um, as Zoe has mentioned, you know, those, those more traditional pieces of assessment have their place in higher education, uh, but there's more to life and to higher education in terms of preparing students for the job market uh, than writing essays or exams. So um, previously the module was assessed for a take-home exam and a draft submission to a House of Commons uh, Select Committee inquiry, and I am really grateful to the uh, to my uh, former uh, to my colleague who previously convened uh, the module for this really great idea. And so I kept that assessment, but I replaced um, the the take-home exam with a draft Wikipedia article and with a recorded uh, presentation. And actually, this has shown to be quite popular, but also really uh, um, uh, shown really great benefits. Uh, so, by for instance, by dissecting how and for which. Sentences, authors on Wikipedia included references. I actually found that this assessment proved really effective in um, sharpening students' engagement with academic integrity. I was really absolutely amazed by the great care students took in properly referencing their sources and the critical reflection um, they showed in terms of articulating what constitutes a, su a suitable source and why they were selecting one source of another in, an, in a way that I didn't, that I hadn't seen in traditional essays, for example, before. Um, so it was also useful, I thought, in terms of fostering an understanding of academic work as contributing to knowledge, right? Because for the Wikipedia article, but also the Select Committee inquiry submission, students, students were asked to reflect on why and how their work would contribute to and expand on what, they, what we already knew about a topic. Um, so for a, the Wikipedia article, they needed to reflect on why their topic would meet uh, Wikipedia's originality and relevance criteria. Uh, if they chose to write a new article or to visualize, to show, for instance, through track changes, where and how they contributed to an already existing article. For the select committee submission, students were required to maintain a clear focus on the objectives of the inquiry and reflect on why and how their selected material constituted suitable evidence to respond to these objectives. Uh, and lastly, the recorded presentation was actually really effective in training uh, skills that are often needed for, for instance, job interviews. So we know that creating and submitting a presentation before an interview is not uncommon in uh, application and, uh, application processes nowadays. And so by the, stu the students on the module, they've already done this. They've now already kind of created such a presentation. They know about like how to record this, how to compress it in a submittable format and how to submit it. Um, and overall, the feedback uh, uh, from students was really uh, 
really positive about these changes and I was actually really happy to see how well they played, uh, they played out in practice. I can imagine they were. And from listening to you now, I can just tell that there was a, a general excitement about the different opportunities this assessment afforded them, you know, and all the real world skills that, that it was giving them. It, you, you completely taken it beyond just uh, just getting them to sit down and write and produce something that actually you've given them all these opportunities to flesh out real world skills that they could very well just put straight on a CV coming straight out of university, couldn't they? It's, it's really exciting. And excitement over an assessment fosters engagement, doesn't it? And motivation. And that's, uh, that's really, really key, isn't it, in assessment design? So shifting our attention to feedback, um, could you share some instances from your own practice where uh, your students maybe have appreciated or found a, a particular feedback strategy to be effective? Yeah, I can think of one module in particular um, where I've had uh, good engagement and good feedback uh, from my students. Uh, for one of my first year modules, we, uh, we've got a module called Education and Society, where we kind of talk about what the purpose of education is, and it's quite a nice reflective activity for them, the whole module, to really reflect on what was my own education like, what's education's purpose in society, and, you know, why, why am I at university studying the degree that I'm doing? And um, when you come to university, it's very, very different uh, and quite a bit of a shock for some students uh, when they're coming into their first year. And, you know, there's a reason why those uh, grades don't go towards your final uh, degree. It's an opportunity to uh, to learn, to have the space to learn, to practice those uh, skills in assessment without so much of the pressure that, oh gosh, this is actually going to go towards my final grade and, um, you know, and that kind of thing. So uh, some changes that I made to the assessment in that module was uh, introducing formative feedback. So uh, this means that their final assessment in um, at the end of, uh, you know, the module towards the end of Christmas, beginning of uh, January, uh, students have 100% of their assessment um, as their summative mark. But what it does mean is that they have this opportunity um, during the first semester, the middle middle of the first semester, to practice their writing skills, to practice uh, what they're going to be submitting in a way um, in this summative assessment. And that sounds kind of simple. Actually, there were a lot of um, mitigations that I um, involved. It was a very... Um, well thought out process that I had for this. So we know that um, for students to really uh, engage with the module, engage with the feedback, uh, there has to be a motivation that has to come from the students. Uh, feedback has to be uh, functional and valuable um, and informative. They have to understand what is the feedback for? How am I supposed to use it? And how is it supposed to be useful moving forward? So. I started off by um, really being conscious about the uh, importance of rapport building, especially we've got new students, um, you know, the young, possibly the youngest, um, you know, we do have some mature students, but, you know, they've only just come from sixth form, a lot of them. Uh, it's very scary. There's lots of things that they're doing in their first week. That's not just about, um, you know, learning, uh, you know, at university, they're also socializing and, and all these kind of things. So. For me, building a um, positive rapport with my students uh, is really important uh, because we know that a lot of students actually get quite nervous opening their feedback in the first place. So if they know that I've marked their work um, and you know they know me, they know the tone of my voice and they know, uh, they know that they can come to me with any questions or anything like that, that's really important for me. And that was really kind of the bedrock of um, you know, thinking about this assessment and how I'm going to organize it within this module. So um, thinking again about 
you know, potentially lack of confidence in these students, uh, particularly, you know, for our cohort, um, you know, a lot of them do lack that confidence um, and have a bit of anxiety about speaking, um, you know, in front of people, even though we have small groups. Uh, I make a lot of space for group discussions in our lectures. We have two hour lectures uh, and I make sure that students have a safe space where they feel comfortable to talk in their groups. And this group um, discussion was something that I embedded into the formative feedback. So. Uh, their first uh, piece of assessment uh, is a formative essay, yeah, very short, thousand words-ish, just about um, the historical context of education. So something that's relevant to what the, uh, will be included in their final assessment, uh, but not directly transferable. They're not going to pick up a copy and paste and just put it into uh, their final assessment, but it will inform that it is relevant. Uh, so they, they, you know, have information about the assessment uh, and they submit their formative assessment and then following that when they get their grades uh, I give them a list of questions uh, and they have to prepare for these questions but then they'll also come back into groups um, in in our final kind of lecture where we have a feedback uh, workshop uh, so in this workshop they get into groups and the questions they had to prepare for were uh, they had to group the feedback from myself into various themes uh, and then they had to um, make a list of all of the pieces of feedback that they were unsure of, uh, that they didn't know how to address. Um, and they also had to uh, list feedback that uh, was positive, things that they'd done well that they could use, you know, in the future or, um, you, know, you know, kind of build into their next assignment. Uh, and I was very conscious not to just say, okay, what did people not understand from my feedback? I'll answer those questions. I really, really wanted students to get into groups and think, okay, ask each other, what do you think this means? How, how can we better understand this? And 99% of the time, students were able to clarify any concerns, any questions that they had about feedback I'd provided in their groups. And for me, this is one of the most important things about feedback. It's not just, okay, I've got this feedback. How do I improve my grade? Um, the next time I submit something, it's okay, I've got this feedback. How can I interpret it? And how can I close that feedback loop? Because the literature kind of tells us that a lot of the times students want us to kind of give us the, give them the answers and to kind of, you know, do that work for them give them the information, okay, great, move on. Whereas actually, we want our students to take responsibility in their own learning, in their own closing of that feedback loop. Um, and so that was really important for me. And actually, it had this impact on student confidence as well, uh, which then sort of feeds into, um, you know, how they move forward and not just improving their grades, which they want to do, I want them to do. It's kind of more than that. It's, um, you know, maybe their grades won't improve that much but can they get something else out of that assignment, out of that feedback that, um, you know, no degrees aren't, you know, just supposed to be a pathway into employment, but employment is really important for our students. It provides them economic stability, it will provide them, um, you know, independence when they move forward. So helping them understand uh, the different transferable ways that this feedback can be um, beyond their grades and grades aren't the be all and end all uh, you know employers are looking for other things other than grades um, you know having a first from Oxford is you know 
very reputable. Um, but if you don't have some of those soft skills, uh, if you're not developing those skills where you're speaking in groups that you're able to understand and communicate um, what feedback is, you know, it's not just like you only get feedback at university, we get feedback all the time, you know, uh, whether we like it or not. So um, yeah, that's kind of, that's one of the, one of the ways that I tried to address that in, in that module. Sounds really exciting. And, and you've done something rather profound with feedback there, because quite often it is the case that a student will get given their feedback and they kind of just like clutch it to themselves, you know, like Gollum with the one ring, you know, they, they, they just, <laughs> they, they, they only really engage with it th th themselves and, and they don't discuss it with, with their peers more often than not. But actually what you've done is you've taken that feedback process and you put it in the context of community. And I think that's really powerful in a, a number of ways, you know, I mean, firstly, you're, you're, the students are seeing how each other are engaging with the feedback um, and, and they're learning from one another how they can, they can do that and be reflective. Uh, but also, actually, that's a wonderful way to build community within your course as well. It sounds a really interesting model because it, it's kind of, it sounds to me as if in the deconstruction of the feedback and then the reconstruction of it into kind of how it can feed forward into the summative piece and beyond, as you were saying, there's in that process as well an added benefit of desensitising feedback and taking that emotion out of it that we all know is attached to feedback and emphasising the rational element of feedback so yeah sounds a really um, interesting approach and this brings us on really nicely doesn't it to uh, the workshop you guys are preparing for the salt conference that's uh, coming up very soon that uh, rian very kindly mentioned earlier so uh, could you guys just tell us a little bit about uh, what that workshop's going to in entail and uh, why, why uh, staff should get there when they're attending the conference I can I can give it a try, um, and 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 uh, Zoe, do, uh, please do correct me if I'm off the mark here. But like I think like what motivated kind of our thinking here was that assessments assessments are not standalone learning experiences, right? They're they're an integral part of kind of students, but also lecturers' educational journey throughout a particular module and actually often beyond. And so what we we hope that the workshop will do is to um, provide an environment where we can like outline the different stages of the assessment and feedback journey throughout a module, but also create an opportunity to reflect on, on our own and colleagues' assessment and feedback practices and formulate some ideas and action points of future development. So um, to, to achieve this, uh, the th these three objectives, um, the, the plan is that the session will unfold along three key stages. Um, uh, we will talk about um, strategies and practices for communicating expectations and requirements around assessments at the start of the term and how to build this rapport that Zoe mentioned with students to facilitate a dialogue around assessments prior to the submission of any work. A second stage, uh, we will um, you know, think about like, how we can support feedback literacy Right? How can how can we so how because often we say we we thought that we kind of say said something in our feedback, but whether students kind of perceive it and understand it the way that we wanted to convey the um, the message, um, it's not it's, we can't take this for granted. And Zoe, Zoe has already outlined really great innovations of how how she's been addressing this in her in her own in her own teaching. And so the second stage is really about um, thinking about feedback um, literacy. Uh, both in terms of communication, communicating this as, a, as a, from from lecturer perspective, but also how to um, um, make this more make make feedback more understandable, if that makes sense. Um, and the last session, uh, the last stage, uh, would then be about basically thinking about how we can design assessments in a way that allows students to basically implement these action points moving forward. Right? There's a very right kind of. I think at, at, at Swansea, we have really great practice that we don't put like 100% on like one assessment, but we think, okay, this is a journey where we kind of, you know, we, we also like, it's just 
um, where, we, where it's important to create opportunities for students actually to kind of to act upon the feedback and, sh and kind of you know en engage with it in the subsequent piece of assessment, uh, not only to improve their mark, but also as an opportunity to kind of demonstrate, um, you know, I've taken away something from it, but also like to actually work through it and think about it. Uh, because I, at least in my own writing, often I kind of, I most kind of intensely think about the comments that I get on my work when actually trying to implement them in a kind of a subsequent submission or in like a next piece of work. And so, yeah, I think each, each stage, approximately last 20 minutes, I guess, like uh, I'm saying this now, please don't hold me accountable. Um, and uh, the emphasis really after a short introduction kind of to facilitate and set up the discussion to have um, group discussions where we can like, you know, learn from each other, share examples of effective practice, uh, effective practice, where we can share examples of effective practice, whether this is from module guides, or canvas communication, skills and assessment sessions, formative assignments, or debriefing sessions. Um, and hopefully, this can be a starting point to a more ongoing conversation about feedback. Yeah, um, I think you've summarized it really, really well. I think for me, uh, the additional point to make is that uh, there's going to be staff from different faculties, different departments, uh, and they might do things differently. They might have different assessments, different assessment styles, different topics. Um, and having done the PG cert, where there's a similar, um, you know, cross-disciplinary uh, discussion, those are really, really useful. Um, you know, I might come with my uh, sort of example of uh, writing a formative essay. And there's a reason we do that in education at the moment. It's compulsory for students to do uh, dissertation in their third year, which will involve uh, independent learning and essay writing, essentially. Um, so, you know, honing those skills in and giving them the confidence in the um, first year is really important to us. So that might not work for uh, engineering or, um, you know, something in the natural sciences. But having those discussions with people from different faculty, faculties and different departments can kind of ignite discussions and uh, ideas that um, are maybe slightly different but along the same lines. Um, you know, those discussions with different people are just super, super uh, useful in my opinion. And I think having those round table discussions is such a good opportunity. Um, there's also things like, there's different ways to close that feedback loop and that communication is absolutely vital. So um, while Matthias was uh, talking, I was thinking, well, okay, maybe someone um, likes the idea of having that discussion where you, uh, you know, have your students think about uh, specific questions about the feedback, but maybe that's not, uh, th there's no space in the module for that. Maybe there isn't a lecture uh, that you can kind of supplement for that embedding that into um, academic mentoring or even just signposting students to their academic mentors. I've had students come to me who I haven't assessed their work, but I'm fully capable of helping them work through the feedback and understand it. Um, and, you know, empowering students to know that those uh, resources are there for them, uh, staff are there for them. Uh, there are different avenues uh, that they can go down. Um, they're not aware of that and and embedding that into our curriculum and into our practice as um you know academic m members of staff uh, is really important well that 
workshop sounds really exciting. It sounds like a great opportunity for staff to get to. So, uh, uh, so if you're listening, please do uh, look out for that on the program at the the Salt Conference if you're attending. And uh, just want to come back to Rian now. Rian, you've you've been involved in Salt's promotion of uh, effective assessment and feedback practices this this year within the university. If listeners wanted to find out more about developing their practices uh, and uh, and opportunities that are coming up for Swansea staff, what what resources would you recommend that they they look at? Well, there's resources and there's events and there's lots and lots of different opportunities throughout every academic year, but we have much more coming up on assessment, uh, marking and feedback in 2023 and 2024, um, such as this year's annual conference that we've just been discussing, uh, the theme being supporting our learning community, assessment, marking and feedback. Uh, with keynotes from, as we've already mentioned, Professor Naomi Winston and Swansea's own Professor Phil Newton too. We've got around 30 presentations from staff uh, across the university, just two workshops, one of which is Matthias and Zoe's, um, the other is uh, going to be on AI actually, that again we've just been speaking about, poster presentations, uh, professional services exhibitions, so colleagues can find out um, more about how students and staff can be supported and assisted with assessment and feedback tools. So that'll be a really exciting day. Um, I'm sure Alex is going to put the link to register for conference as a delegate in the show notes. Um, you have up until um, a few days before conference, which is July the 12th to register. So please um, secure your place. Um, we run regular recorded online effective practice sessions. We've been doing that for quite a while now, where staff share and reflect on their approaches, such as we've been doing today. And again, these will be boosted from September with a lot more assessment marking and feedback related sessions. We already have a long uh, list of staff ready and waiting actually to engage in those next year, which is really encouraging, isn't it? Uh, and uh, we're also encouraging transferability across disciplines and subject areas, as Zoe was talking about earlier. Um, we've collaborated with colleagues at the university, as we've just been discussing, to run several recorded online uh, sessions this year specifically on artificial intelligence and generative tools, its implications for teaching, learning, assessment, marking and feedback. And these sessions have proved very, very popular. And there will be more of these and, of course, the ones we've already done are available to watch back. Uh, SALT offers continually updated, internally produced bite size, as well as more substantial resources to try and kind of, you know, sort of cover all bases of the amounts of time that people have to devote to their learning and their professional development. And we signpost to useful and up-to-date external resources as well. And you'll find a lot of that from our, our website. For the past two years, I've been working with my academic colleagues, Professor Joanne Berry and Dr. Patricia Xavier on a programme called Questioning Assessment. Again, they've been mostly recorded sessions, so are available to watch back. And these have involved staff and student representatives challenging common assumptions about assessment and feedback. And this has proved most enlightening on many levels uh, and will also feed into conference this year. SALT also runs PG Cert programme for new staff, that's been mentioned, um, with uh, assessment and feedback patches and an inclusivity patch, which would be very relevant here. We run ABC learning design sessions, which may help in areas such as assessment planning and inclusive assessment design. 
So as you can see, lots and lots that we offer. Uh, how to make sense of it all? Well, one of the best ways to get an overview and links to all of the above is to check out our monthly newsletter, which is called Spotlight on Salt. It's sent to all staff by email, usually at the end of the first week or the beginning of the second week of the month. You can search for it in your, in your inbox as well, Spotlight, and then you'll get the most recent edition and um, it curates all current offerings okay and kind of makes it easy really in terms of um, trying to digest what's what's being offered from salt at that particular uh, month in the year and you'll also find all of salt salt offerings on um, our staff website but do just you know give us give us an email give us a ring you know um, if uh, you're not sure what's going on out there and if we're not meeting your needs we're always open to you know reacting to staff needs as well as being proactive in trying to meet them too so please let us know if we're not doing what you want us to do and we'll try our very best to do that smashing well thank you very much uh, for all of that Rian and uh, well a massive thank you also to uh, Matthias and Zoe uh, for coming on the show today uh, we come to the end of our time together uh, and we very much hope that you the listener have uh, enjoyed the episode and picked up some great ideas to enhance your assessment and feedback practices for your students so without much further ado it's uh, goodbye from our guests Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to A Pinch of Salt. You can find new episodes of this podcast on the last Tuesday of every month, with the odd bonus episodes scattered in between. You can catch us on all good podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. You can also find us on Twitter at SUPinchOfSalt to join in the conversation. If it's got anything to do with learning and teaching in higher education, let's make sure everybody knows about it. Mm-hmm.